If you will, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter number 19. The book of John, chapter number 19. Now, this portion of Scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you today would probably, some people would say, would be most appropriate around uh, Easter or around Good Friday. But you know, I, I think we need to celebrate, we need to discuss more often than once a year about the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ made for the debt of our sin. I don't think we talk about it enough. I don't think we sing about it enough because if it had not been for the enormous price that he paid, we would all still be lost in, 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 in sin, bound up in sin. And I'm thankful today for the price that he paid. John chapter 19, beginning with verse number 1 from the New King James Version. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now, that was a famous line a few years back. You the man. No, this is the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I want to bring a message to you this morning entitled, The Thorn King or the King of Thorns. Let us pray. Father God, I'm so thankful today, Lord that you've honored me with this opportunity to share your word to these people. God, I know, Lord, that my steps are ordered of you and that, Lord, it was your appointment, your decision to bring me here this day on this occasion to share this word. And I pray today, Lord God, that every mind and every heart will be spiritually in tuned with you. That, Lord, that there would be no distraction, but, Lord God, that they would receive your implanted word and that it would produce fruit unto glory. And Father, I give you the thanks, I give you the honor, and I give you the praise for it all. In the magnificent name of Jesus Christ, 
I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tony. I appreciate you. You know, what kind of inspired this message this morning was that I was over at my daughter's house on Friday trying to uh, keep up with her yard work. And on the back side of her home, uh, there is a fence line. And beyond that fence line, there is an abundance of what I call specimens of the fall. And what I mean by that is poison oak, poison ivy, poison sumac, thorns, briars, snakes, you name it, it's there. And I'm down in there and I'm trying to take a weed eater and trying to beat back the briars and beat back the, the poison oak and those types of things. And, uh, you know, and uh, it just kind of reminded me of, of, of the thorns that Jesus Christ wore upon his head and what those thorns represented. You know, if there's a, one scene in the Bible that has been depicted more than any other with, with, with such vivid detail, it would be that of the Lord's suffering. We've seen numerous dramas. We've seen uh, 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 movies that have come out. We, have, we've, we read about it in books. We, we sing about it, and yet... With all the explanations, with all the descriptions that we've read, that we've seen, that we've heard, I really, really don't believe it even comes close to what actually, what, what people actually witnessed and what Jesus Christ went through on that day. I never will forget many, many years ago that I, I was in Florida and actually was in a minister's conference and, and, and was a part of a first showing of the passion of the Christ. About 2,500 other pastors and, and uh, actually the gentleman who, who, who produced the movie was even there. And I, I still yet today remember when I watched that movie and I watched that scene of his scourging of how much of an effect that it had on me. And even today when I watch that movie it still has the same effect because the reality... The full reality of what he did for me and what he did for you is beyond my comprehension. Because I didn't deserve it and neither did you. And yet, he gave it all for us. You see, throughout the scriptures, from Isaiah to Zechariah, through all the gospels, and even in the epistles, each step... Is laid out of this enormous price that was paid over those few days, and how significant that that every part, everything that he suffered, everything that he went to, has significance in relation to our freedom and liberty from sin and sin's effect. The suffering, the abuse, the mockery all have a connection in releasing the children of God from the debt of sin. 
the graphic nature of the torture that he suffered. The scourging uh, when his flesh was ripped apart and he was bruised and he was wounded and he was beaten and his blood spilled out. And yes, yes, the details when you talk about it, when you read about it, when you see it, they are, yes, very gory in detail. But to every believer, they're not gory. They are glorious because those sufferings were for our sake. Those, those prices, that, that price that he paid was so that we wouldn't have to suffer under the curse. Can somebody say praise the Lord in this house today? Can you give him glory for the price that he paid? Amen. The thing about it is we could never, ever, ever, ever comprehend what he went through. No, I, I just don't think there are words in the English language that, that could even sufficiently worship him and praise him for what he did. But let us never take it for granted. Let us never just kind of glaze over the details as some religious function that we go through. But each time we hear the story, each time we sing the songs, let us remember of the heavy price that he paid. Hallelujah. You see, when God the Father laid upon him the iniquity of us all, each lash of the scourge was a testament of the ugliness of the, and the depth of sin. However, I want to focus on a different aspect of his suffering. One that many, many people just kind of skip over. They never really spend a lot of time studying and examining exactly what the significance of the crown of thorns was all about. Although the soldiers did it in mockery, they had no idea how prophetically significant that one act was. While each of the four Gospels mentions the crown of thorns, the book of John and the book of Mark go into greater detail about that certain scene of the passion. John 19 and 2 said that so when Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put a purple robe on his shoulders. You see the Roman scourging of a person involved not only beating them, it involved stripping them naked for maximum effect. There was no protection from the scourge, nor was there any protection or covering for those who desired to look upon it with some type of joy in seeing someone else suffer. Not only was he beaten, but he was humiliated in the midst of this public gathering. The Son of God was not just fully exposed to the full effect of sin's curse on mankind, but he was also fully exposed as he suffered before those he was paying the price for. 
You see, that's what infuriates me about false religions. That's what infuriates me of people putting men on the same level of Jesus Christ. Those who would say there are many paths to God, that there are equal religions, whether it be Muhammad or whether it be Buddha or Hare Krishna or Joseph Smith or any number of others who would like to equal themselves with Christ. May I say to you, they did not pay the debt. They did not suffer so that we could go free. There is but one man. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the one that paid the price. Hallelujah. I know you've been through West Virginia and you love paying tolls. I know. Hey, listen, I, I run up and down those roads enough to know that they should have been paying me to drive on the road. But I want you to know something this morning. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pay the price to get to heaven. No matter how good I might think that I am, no matter how hard I may try to work to do everything right, it was never enough. No, the only one that could purchase my access to God the Father and heaven was Jesus Christ and it cost him it cost him his blood you see there were three things the Romans did the Roman soldiers did in that moment they, 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 they formed this crown and they didn't just put it on his head they drove it into the brow of his head. These, 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 these thorns were could be as, as long as three inches from what I've studied. And then they gave him a reed as a scepter. They stuck that reed in his hand as a scepter. And then they put a purple purple robe. Now, folks, I want you to understand. I know that you know we when you see pictures, you see art, you see those kinds of things, movies. Of course, you know, you have to use that purple robe as some type of a full-length garment to, to cover what is exposed. But may I say to you, that was not the case in this instance. More than likely, it was nothing more than like a throw or, or a blanket or something along those lines that covered his shoulders maybe, but from the chest down, he was still fully exposed. He was standing there bleeding. He was standing there shivering as those people mocked and made fun of him and why did he do it he did it for you that's why he stood there and took the abuse it was for you I'm going to tell you something this morning the demons don't tremble at the name of Muhammad they don't tremble at the name of Harry Krishna or Joseph Smith but I can tell you at the name of Jesus Christ every demon in hell trembles every one of them will have to bow and confess that he is Lord hallelujah See, they, they did all this in mockery. You see, the robe, that purple robe, was, was, was something of a symbolic measure of royalty. The purple was supposed to be, the purple robe was to signify his royalty. At the same time, a scepter, normally a scepter is a signification or a symbol of the official staff of a king. 
In other words, a lot of times they would use that staff to point to someone or to touch to someone for them to be able to, to approach the king. It was a signification of their authority. And yet this particular, this particular scepter was not uh, like a normal scepter. It was a reed. One of the most fragile, one of the most uh, uh, weak types of plants that there are. It's a hollow reed. And yet that's what they placed in his hand. And then they created a crown of thorns. You see, normally a crown is ornate. A crown is something beautiful to look upon. It is to consider to be the symbol of kingship. It is, it, is, it is a highest honor when a man or a woman sometimes as a queen has the crown placed upon their head and it symbolizes their kingship or queenship. But not in this case. This particular crown was made out of thorns. It wasn't anything pretty to look at. As a matter of fact, it symbolized sin itself. Just imagine, if you will, the vileness of this scene. When this, our Lord, our Savior, this man, innocent man, stands there beaten to a pulp, blood running all over the place, and yet the mockery continues. So what is the significance of this crown of thorns? Well, you need to go back to the Old Testament back to the beginning, as it were, to find out the significance of the thorns. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 17, it says this, Then to Adam he said, Because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken for the dust you are and the dust you shall return. So you see thorns are a byproduct of the curse of sin. Those thorns, listen, We got Adam and Eve to thank not only for sin, but for thorns and thistles. That's what came up. And so there's three things that I want to talk about real quickly about the king of thorns and what those thorns represented. You see, those thorns being a symbolic byproduct of the fall, and they represent three things. They represent your sin, our sin. They represent our sorrow. And they represent our sweat. The sweat of our brow. The toil that we go through in life. 
You see, the soldiers used this crown of thorn, as I said, as a tool of mockery, but they did not realize they were symbolically fulfilling prophecy. God used this scene of suffering to show us that when Christ bore our sins at Calvary, he also bore the symbol of sin's curse. Hallelujah. It may not have been a pretty crown to look at, but it was still a crown, and he was still the king, and he was symbolizing to everyone I've taken on the curse of sin and I am victorious over it. When he got up out of the grave three days later, the, the Roman soldiers realized they had not been successful in putting down the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he got up and he walked out with the wounds to prove his victory over sin. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he got up. I'm thankful. I don't know. I've never really done much research on this. But I would kind of like to thank Pastor Tony that some of the same soldiers that were standing around mocking him, some of the same ones that were making this, this, this crown of thorns were stationed at the tomb that day when the stone rolled away and they went off running. Hallelujah. I'd like to think that's exactly what happened. I'd like to think they'd say, oh my goodness, I really Remember what I did to this man, and now he's up and out of there. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord in here. Hallelujah. So what did he do for us by wearing these crown, this, this crown? You see, remember, remember, a crown is a symbol of authority, power, kingship. The fact that Jesus wore a crown of thorns... The byproduct of the curse of sin can only mean one thing. He is king over our sin. He is king over our sorrow. And he's king over the sweat and toil that I go through in life. He is ruler over it all. Hallelujah. See, first of all, he rules over our sin. Oh, my goodness, if there's one thing I'm thankful for is that he's the king of my sin. That he's got the authority over my sin. You know why? Because there's plenty of people in your life that you'll go through, that you'll meet, that want to remind you of what you used to be. They want to remind you of every failure, failure that you've ever made. They want to accuse you. They want to, they want to hold you under the past of your mistakes. But I'm thankful, hallelujah, that when I came to Jesus Christ, my past was disintegrated under the blood of his sacrifice. Don't let somebody take rule over your life. Don't let somebody keep reminding you of your past or pointing their finger and said, I remember when you did this. and I remember when you did that. Yes, you may have committed sin. Yes, you might have fallen short of the glory of God just like the rest of us. But hallelujah, when you came to Christ, when you confessed your sins, when you repented of your sins, he wiped the slate clean. He took away the sin and he said, paid in full. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You see, he, he has the authority over your sin. The devil wants you to live out your life in guilt and condemnation. He wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants, you, he wants to rob you of your freedom in Christ. I'll stand up here and be the first one to admit that I've been a victim of his lies. That I've allowed other people to hold me under their thumb and to accuse me and to make me myself. They make me feel less of myself. They remind me of what I was or what I did. But guess what? I had to wake up one day and realize they have no say. They have no authority. They have no standing because Jesus Christ is the king of my sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I love what 1 John talks about in chapter 1 and chapter 2, the latter part of, 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 of chapter 1 and into chapter 2. He, hallelujah. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of our iniquity. And he goes on to say that he made Jesus Christ a propitiation for our sin. That propitiation has two meanings. It can mean a sacrifice or it can mean the very mercy seat. Today, the reason that I stand, the reason that I can stand free is because I'm standing in Jesus Christ, the king of my sin. Now, I'm, I'm probably going to offend some people before it's over with, but it wouldn't make the first time. I know the saying. I've heard it all my life. And I, and I understand what, what people are trying to get across. When they make the statement... I'm a sinner saved by grace. I understand where you're coming from. I know. I see. I know what you're saying. But I think we need to turn, change that terminology just a bit. I think a better way of saying it is I was a sinner <laughs> and I was saved by grace. Hallelujah. You want to know why? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm not a sinner. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I stand in him this day. being the king of my sin hallelujah when I stand in him and when God looks down and I come yes I haven't come just once I try to come to him every day because I'm going to tell you since I started in this way since I came to him yes I've fallen short I've stubbed my toe a time or two but you know what he's always there willing to have me come and the reason that I can come I don't have to come in in a shy way or back in I can come boldly before his throne of grace 
and find help and mercy in the time of need. Hallelujah. Why? Because God doesn't see my sin. Hallelujah. Others might remember it. I might even remember it. I might even be haunted by it. But guess what? You don't need to be. Because when you came to the Father and he put it under the blood of his Son, he said, it is forgotten. It is to be remembered no more. So the next time somebody comes to you and wants to remind you, say, that, that dude's dead. He's gone. And his sin's gone with him. It's been buried beneath the blood, and it's been cast away from me as far as the east is to the west. Hallelujah. He is the king of my sin. Not only is he the king of my sin, he is the king of my sorrows. When circumstances and situations in life bring about discouragement, discontentment, despair, and depression, we need to remember what the scripture says. He bore our sorrows. And he carried our griefs. The book of Isaiah said he bore our sorrows and he carried our griefs. Jesus is our intercessor. And he understands our sorrow better than anyone because he experienced it to the fullness. He was lied on. He was betrayed. He was abandoned. He was falsely accused. He was mocked. He was ridiculed verbally, mentally, and physically abused. Remember the scepter was a reed. Well, do you remember Jesus Christ's promise when he was teaching? He said, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not snuff out. Those two things are at the very brink of complete destruction. But you have an intercessor. You have a savior. You have a king over your sorrows that can take the most bruised reed and the faintest little flint of smoke from flax and wrap his hand around you and restore you and pour the love of God into your life. He's the king of our sorrows. Hallelujah. He knows how fragile you are. I don't know who I'm talking to. You may have come in here as a bruise read this morning. You might be at the brink of breaking in two. But let me remind you, he is the king of your sorrow. He knows how fragile you are. And he knows how to administer healing love to your life. You see, he begs us, cast all your care, all your sorrow, cast it on me because I care so much for you. Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. When there is sorrow in your life, the first place it shows is on your brow. I never will forget when I was pastoring a lot of times, I, people, you know, my, my wife tells me, you need to look at your face sometimes. 
Because when I'm really heavy thinking about something, or I'm really, you know, burdened, I got, I, got a, I got a big, I don't know, furrow that shows up in my brow. People used to think I was mad when I really wasn't. <laughs> you, know, I'm just, you know, they say, well, the pastor looks mad. No, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm just, I just got a lot on my mind. You see, that's the first place it shows is in, in your, the brow of your head because it's, it's attacking your mind. It's weighing upon your mind, and you can't help. Yeah, you may try to smile your way through it, but sooner or later, it's going to show up. The stress and the tension will show up on your face, in your brow. But the good news is, hallelujah, that the thorns that represent the sorrow, hallelujah, was placed upon the head of Jesus Christ, and the blood that came forth out, hallelujah, out, of his brow just like the blood that came forth out of his side that blood was to cover your sorrows hallelujah you see he was pierced in that forehead to show us that he was sovereign over our sorrow that he's the master over our misery that he's the king over our concern and he's the God over our grief hallelujah so cast it all on him take the load and pass it over to him and finally he is the king over my sweat. Well, not this sweat necessarily. Okay. But the toil of life, the burdens. You see, those things that make us sweat, worry, fret, fear, anxiousness. Panic. Hallelujah. You see, those things cause us to sweat. Not yet, yeah, maybe even in a literal sense, but also in just a sense of the severe burden that we've got to carry and that we struggle through. You see, there's another product of the fall. It's just we 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 human beings, we 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 just get uptight. Amen. I mean, I wished I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've come a long way, baby, but I got a long way to go. And I don't know, God decided to wire me up to the point it's hard for me to sit down sometimes. I mean, I, 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 I find myself trying to do four or five things at once sometimes. And, I, and, and I'm just wired that way. I, I told Lisa yesterday, I, I, I basically for the first time, and I couldn't tell you when, took a day off. And then I was sitting around studying and reading throughout the whole day. And, and, and I told her, I said, you know what? I feel almost guilty. I feel like I need to be doing something. But you see, that's, I, I don't know if you're that way, but that's the way that I am. I, I get wired up. I get, I get, you know, worked up over things sometimes that I don't need to get worked up about. How many people can admit to the fact 
that you've worried yourself, that you've upset yourself, you bought, you bit all your fingernails off and your toenails while you were at it. You donate every little Debbie from here to Kroger. I mean, you know, you're running to the, you know, because you worked up. I'm a grazer. When I get when I get stressed, man, I'm hitting the cabinet. But I know Tony don't, but you know, bless God, Hallelujah. But I do, you know. I mean, give me some ice cream. Give me some chips. Give me some. Give me some peanut butter. You know why? Because I get worked up. I'll be the honest. Nobody else will. But you see, that's not the way God wants it. He doesn't want me depending on something else to relieve my tension and sorrow. He wants me to come to him. He wants me to come to him with the load that I have. I don't have to sweat it and neither do you. Hallelujah. I love what Psalms 46 says. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Shiloh surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me in my distress. I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God and he heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before his ears. Oh, folks, listen to me. You can stress out all you. I mean, my goodness, I don't, I've never seen the like of, of people that are suffering from panic attacks and anxiety, even the children of God. Listen to me. He is the king of your sin, the king of your sorrow, and the king of your sweat. Just remember where to run to. He is your refuge, your very present help. In the time of trouble. I'm bringing this plane in for a landing. You know Mark 4. Gives us the parable. Of the sower. Jesus Christ teaching about. Seed and the sower. And I'm not going to read it. But most of you if you've been in church any time. All you've heard about it. How that he gave this parable of the sower and how some of the seed fell upon the rock, some fell upon the roadside, some fell among thorns, and some fell on good ground. And he goes back and explains it all. When he gets to the thorns, he said, this represents the word. The seed is the word. The type of ground that it's being planted on represents the hearts of men. And he says the thorns represent the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things. He said these things choke the word in your life. You see, the Word is important because the Word is what expands your growth in the Lord. The Word is what helps you to know how to stand and how to operate in the kingdom work 
But you see, if you are being, if it's being choked out by the cares of this life, if it's being being covered up and, ch- you know, I'm going to tell you, folks, I, I, I've never seen, you know, I think about this, why can't a garden grow as good as thorns do? I mean, some of these thorns I was looking at were taller than I was. And it doesn't take no time for, you'll cut them down one week and come back next week and there they are again. You see, that's just how the things in life are. We can get so caught up in stuff. We can get so wrapped up in our day-to-day business. And before you know it, it's choked every bit of the joy out of our lives. It's choked the peace out of our lives. It separates us from God in our relationship. And before you know it, we're down in the dumps and we're struggling and we're battling. Why? It's not that God moved anywhere. It's just we let stuff choke out our relationship with him. But remember, he's king of the thorns. He don't need a weed eater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, he, he, he doesn't need some kind of roundup. Praise God. All he's got to do is speak a word. All he's got to do is say, I rule over those cares of your life. I rule over the stuff that you're wrapped up in. Call upon me and I will answer you. Somebody praise the Lord in this place this morning. I'm closing. See, Jesus wants us to remember he's king over it all. Every bit of it. Cares, concerns, anxiety. Did you come in this morning wearing a crown of concern yourself? Did you come in with Luggage today that you've been dragging around. Luggage of the past. Something somebody else loaded over on you. What is, what is troubling you? What has caused your heart to be so heavy? What's causing you to sweat? Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's trying to rise up and rule in your life. Now, we know the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, rulers of darkness. So the person who may be putting that stuff on you is just simply being a tool in the hand of Satan. Recognize it for what it is. Psalms 55 and 2 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Boy. When he gave me that scripture at three o'clock this morning. Hit a note deep in my own spirit. He will sustain you. He will never permit you to be moved.
like what Jude 24 says. He says, it is he who is able to keep you from stumbling and presents you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. He's the king over every care, every storm, every problem, every situation, every crisis, every difficulty, every disappointment, every dilemma, over everything that discourages you, he is king. You don't have to worry, fret, lose your temper, lose your mind, lose your sanctification. You don't have to have a nervous breakdown, live in constant depression, walking around, broke, busted, and disgusted. The king of the thorns still on the throne and he's still in control those soldiers may have placed the crown of thorns on his head that day in mockery but in reality it was for you and I it was for our benefit we can find hope even in the crown of thorns because of whose head it was placed upon Jesus Christ if you would please stand with me all over this house this morning with every head bowed please be praying. Maybe you, maybe everything is just honky dory in your life right now, and you got it all together, and everything's going good. Well, bless God, I I commend you. But I would go so far as to say that there's a large number of people in this house today that aren't quite there, that aren't that that, that don't have the pleasure of being carefree this morning. So, I'm talking to them. But if you came into this house today, either weighed down with sin, weighed down with sorrow, or weighed down with the sweat of toil of this life, maybe you're just like that bruised reed or that smoking flax, you're at the point just giving up throwing in the towel quitting saying what's the use may I say that I've been right there I've been there but I want you to hear me this morning the king of thorns sees you he sees everything you're going through everything you've been through and he's saying don't give up. Don't give in. But just cast that burden, that care, that sin. Just cast it over on me. Bring it to me. Just 
let me have it. Just trust me with it. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask for people to come down into the altar. Now, if you want to come to the altar, by all means, don't, don't take that as a, uh, a, 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 a something that I've got against altar service. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to follow the leading of the Lord. If you feel compelled to come, you can come anytime you'd like, and I'll be right there to pray with you. But right now, just humor me. And whoever's to your left and whoever's to your right, you don't have to ask them a thing. You don't have to inquire what it is they're carrying, what it is they're burdened with. The Lord knows. So just ask the Lord to help you to pray. So right now, would you just lay your hand on the person to your left and to your right and just begin to intercede for them pray for them for the burdens for the sorrow for whatever it is they brought into this house Heavenly Father as I come before you in this moment I acknowledge your son Jesus Christ as being the victor in this house today he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has, he has conquered the sin, death, grave. The very curse of sin has been conquered, has been routed, has been defeated. But God, there may be those here today, Lord, that are struggling, that are underneath the weight of sorrow. They are struggling and battling through this day because the enemy has convinced them that they cannot be free. They have, they have reminded them of their past to the point that they said, I'll never be free of it. But this morning I pray, God, that you would release them once and for all. That, Lord God, you would set the captive free. That you would let your peace that passes all understanding rest upon them in this moment. That you would deliver them from the bondages of sin. That, Lord God, they would call upon you in this hour. Father God, right now, Holy Spirit, flow through this house and set captives free. Oh, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Let the year of Jubilee be proclaimed to the captives. Lord, let them trade that, oh, that spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise hallelujah hallelujah now right now by faith by not cause you feel it but by faith begin to lift up your hands and worship the king and say I'm free I'm set free because of what you did because of what you performed because you the victor's crown hallelujah 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 come on come on worship him in this house today
Hallelujah.